ceilings, no floors A constant constellation through ever open doors Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Warzniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on location in the Florida Panhandle at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, my guest is a classically trained violinist who has traveled the world playing violin and guitar and singing background vocals behind multi-Grammy winning superstar Taylor Swift. Along the way, she has appeared on television numerous times, from the Academy Awards to the Grammys to Saturday Night Live to Good Morning America, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and more. She also plays mandolin and has also toured and recorded with Ringo Starr and just recently came off the road from having been out with the Rolling Stones. She has even performed for the troops overseas as part of several USO tours. In terms of her own original music, she has released five singles this year alone. You've been hearing a song of hers called The Road. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Caitlin Evanson. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've been looking forward to this, so let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called The Road. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm so glad we got to select this one in particular to talk about because well you know something that i've been loving about the pensacola songwriting festival is that people honor and love the stories behind how the songs are written before they even hear get to hear the song um so this one has one of the deepest stories connected um that i've ever had as a writer because it's all about the road that i have lived on for 20 five years i've lost count but definitely in the 20s <laughs> Um, I started uh, touring when I was about 19. So anyway, we'll get to that later. But um, I was talking recently to a friend of mine who plays for Michael Buble and he, you know, he has a kid and he started a family and, and I said, are you, are you picking up any gigs lately? Anything else? And he said, no, I, I have a life. And, and I said, yeah, I totally understand when you leave you you hit pause on your life and you come back however many years later. Uh, and, and weddings have happened and kids have mm. happened and, and here you are back again and you've missed your life. And it is a huge sacrifice for this whole glit and glamour of, and so anyway, I, he said, no, nah, no more gigs for me. He said, the road only leads to more road. And I thought, Bing, that's a song. <laughs> so, so when I sat down to write it, I thought, well, gosh, can I remember anything from life on the road? And boy, 10,000 songs worth of content later, just spilling out of me. Uh, these song, this song, the road came out and everything from a house, not a home, no ceilings, no floors, meaning just that fame and even marginal fame is just a room with no ceilings and no floors, constant constellations through ever open doors. All the doors are open to you and everything feels unlimited. Um, starry eyed, I packed my bags. How was I to know that the road only leads to more road? Um, so it, it goes on and on and talks about the things that I've um, that I've experienced on the road. One is 
Dripping in white rhinestones, begged, borrowed, bought, and sold. Disposable still in my youth in a world where 30s old. The road only leads to more road. And I remember being back to back on stage with Taylor and these pop artists and 19 year olds, dancers, and their careers are winding down at 24. You know, and I wow. remember thinking, wow. like, standing next to these guys going, Yeah, it was just a, it was a big eye opening experience understanding that it is a, a, there's an expiration date for me hmm. on the road. There's plenty more, but I'll leave it at that for now. I wonder when you're on the phone and he says, The road only leads to more road, and the light turns on in your head. Is it a professional courtesy where you say to him, wow, that, that's a hook. I, I, I'm, oh, I'm going to yes. write that if you're okay with that. Absolutely. And especially in Nashville, it's, it, there's a joke, add a word, get a third. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because even if that's all you do and there's three of you in the room, it is an even third split. Uh, that's, you know, it's different in pop and in the LA songwriting world, but in Nashville, it's equal, equal, equal. And actually he lives in LA, but of course I owed him the courtesy. And I said, Hey, do you mind if I write that into a song? You, you know, you're going to have rights on it too, of course. And he is an incredible writer in his own right as well. Um, but I just took that title and ran with, he said, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Can you talk about the L.A. part? You said, well, it's different in L.A. This sure. is in Nashville. It's a third, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's um, it's, it's kind of a different flavor, different language, different different uh, mayor with different rules down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a lot of times it's, hi, I'm Cara Diaguardi. I'm a big hit writer. I'm inviting you to write on this song with me with Snoop Dogg's track writer. He gets 56%. I get the rest wow. and I'll give you 5% wow. because you're new. And that did happen to me. But that is kind of more the pop writing world. Okay. Nashville, everything's so much more even Steven. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Thank you for that. <laughs> sure. In the lead up to today, you told me that that song, The Road, and the one I'm going to play at the end of today's show, you said, quote, those two songs as a songwriter are a good representation of where I am right now in my artistry, end quote. Where exactly is that? Well, I'll tell you, I have made such a career out of wearing a handful of different hats. And I guess I'm just carrying that into my songwriting career because I came in here and I gave you a kid's record. <laughs> I gave you a record of uh, Jerry Vandiver and I playing at the Bluebird. And I spared you giving you the record <laughs> about camping in the great outdoors. <laughs> but I guess... I reserve the right to come back to you and say, I want that one after all. Please send Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, we'll see if you want anything to do with us after you hear the rest of the records. Uh, but I think that um, I've just found different planes to different platforms for different songs that I write about different hats I wear about the parts, different parts of my life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so the river, and we'll get into that later, but yeah. it's about a whole different department of my life. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that does make sense. So that, that's a good explanation. You know, having a guest on of Caitlin's stature, someone who is working at the absolute top of the industry, is a good opportunity to talk about gear that is synonymous with the highest level of recording quality. Claret Plus builds on Focusrite's many decades of experience manufacturing cutting-edge recording technology. It features studio-quality sound by using components that outshine even its more expensive competitors like Apollo or Apogee. Each Claret Plus interface includes the Hitmaker Expansion Bundle, 
featuring over $1,000 worth of free plugins from AutoTune, Brainworks, Marshall, Relabs, and XLN Audio. I myself am a more than satisfied Focusrite user, and you will be too when you utilize something from their Claret Plus range. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for Focusrite's ad for their Vocaster. It's in the right-hand column on desktop or on mobile. Scroll way down to just below the block of social media logos to see it. The ad says, tell the world. Tap or click on that ad to go over to Focusrite's website and roll up your sleeves with extensive details about the Claret Plus range for top-quality audio results. Caitlin, I, just as much as the audience... I'm chopping at the bit to hear how someone gets the job as Taylor Swift's violin player, but let's build some anticipation (laughs) first. In my preparations for today, I read that you are actually from Seattle, a long, long way from Nashville where you live now. Share with us about your early years in music, meaning musical training and everything you did before Uh breaking into Music City. (laughs) Okay. That's a fun one. Really fun. Okay. Uh, At about age four... Uh, I started dinking around with a violin, little teeny tiny violin. Um, well, let's even go back further. I was a little <laughs> baby singing in my high chair and my dad being a music teacher and a guitar virtuoso, um, noticed that I had really good pitch, uh, as a, as just a little, little thing. And so he thought, well, someone who has really good pitch, meaning they can find notes very easily and decipher one from the other and jump around. Um, at an early age, that violin sounds like a good instrument for this Uh. kid, um, because it's very ear training. Uh, you have to have a great ear to play it basically Mm -hmm. a good reference of pitch. So when I was four, they got me my first teeny tiny violin and teacher. And I started scrubbing away at twinkle, twinkle, little star, et cetera. And the Suzuki method, if anyone's familiar with it out there, all you violin nerds. And I then at about age eight, nine, 10, 11, my mom started bringing me to elderly care centers to play for mm-hmm. these people in hospice who um, didn't have um, much use left of their motor skills and being able to speak. So they didn't they weren't able to do much but sit um Mm. the rest of their days and mom would bring me in and i would play uh you know just whatever i was working on with suzuki uh method at the time and i remember one day i did this and the residents were started to move around and vocalize and make sound and the people who were working there were just shocked and I remember as a kid, it scared me. And I said, Mom, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I feel like because I had tapped into the power of sound and music and I'd never experienced that before, I thought I was just kind of a dumb kid playing violin. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized there was something to it. So anyway, I didn't go back. And um, Mm. later, but it's funny, later in life, and we'll talk about that. I recognized and understood the power of music and the healing power of music. So we'll, we'll save that little Easter egg for later. Um, but I competed in orchestras and in college, uh, in classical for uh, all the way up to college. And then I got a hold of a, uh, chicks record, then the Dixie chicks and a Dave Matthews band record and an Ellison Krauss record. And I, I saw these fiddle players. They weren't violinists. (laughs) They were fiddle players. And I thought they can play whatever they want. They can wear whatever they want. They get all the attention. Um, They just get to be free up there. I don't want to be a violinist anymore. I want to be a fiddle player. 
So much to the chagrin of my mother and father, but artist mother and musician father. So, of course, deep down, they wanted me to do this, but maybe not in the way that I did. Dropped everything, shoved my uh, giant big, uh, what the computer monitor. Remember computer monitors were this yeah, big yeah. Uh, in the backseat of my 1997 Saturn and <laughs> drove all the way down in the middle of winter from Bellingham, Washington to Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I don't even know how I did it. Truly. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, I got there and I started walking up and down Broadway. Uh, I had no relationships at all. Mm. I think I just thought if I think about it too long, I won't do it. Ah. So, I'm going to just throw myself into it. I like that. and, And come what may. Yeah. So I just thought, well, I hear Broadway's the place where you're supposed to do this stuff. So I started walking up and down Broadway and I was yanking on the pant legs of these old guys on the <laughs> stages at the honky tonks on Broadway. And I would look up at them. No shame, Bruce. Like, no shame. I would, Can I play? You were how, play? Old? how old? Uh, I was 21. 21. Okay. Yep. Uh, can I play? And eventually one of them <laughs> said, okay. So I, I walked up there and I started tuning up and I, I thought, well, I, I play classical music so I can play anything. Mm. Uh, I was very quickly knocked off my high horse on that one. <laughs> they started playing Folsom Prison. And I, I said, well, what is this? And they said, it's Johnny Cash. And I said, who is Johnny Cash? Wow. Because I just wasn't ra- Yeah, I know. Jaw dropping from everywhere. Every time I, I tell people that story. And actually, to this day, I work at the Cash Cabin a lot. And I work with John Carter. And he still doesn't know that I didn't know who his daddy was when I first moved to town. Uh, he maybe he will he after this, this interview. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Anna, Anna Christina Cash was on my show. Yes. So you never know. There's a chance that yes. she's still listening because she enjoyed being a guest. And yes, now she's she going to tell John, you got to hear this interview. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse. I'm actually supposed to go and work on a session next week. Maybe they maybe they'll ghost me while, after that. While we're while we're <laughs> off on a little bit of a tangent here, yeah. I want you to go back and have a teaching moment for the audience because sure. I know okay. somebody a long time. I don't know. Maybe it was Brian Fitzy or, or Mark Wood. I said, and I'm getting old. We all are. So I've, it helps for a refresher for everybody. Yeah. To refer to someone as a violin player or fiddle player. So explain. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's good. That's another, um, and I will, I'll go off on rabbit trails, Bruce. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, uh, I'm guiding you down this rabbit you. trail, so it's thank okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I will follow. I will follow. Yeah. Uh, between the, the difference between fiddle player and violinist, a lot of times I make these jokes. It depends on the gig or it depends on how much beer is spilt on the instrument, you know, which is a violin or a fiddle. Uh, but ultimately a lot of times I just pull out my instrument and show people, but, you know and then there's you know there you go folks that's that's the difference so my next question is johnny cash anyway sorry no if if there's more if there's more just um beethoven versus johnny cash you know, uh, maybe a string section for Celine Dion would be violin. And um, uh, uh, somebody playing for the Charlie Daniels band would be a fiddle. So it's you're not going to correct someone if they say she's the violin player for Taylor Swift. You're not going to say uh, I'm the fiddle player. No, nope, not at all. In fact, I had a prestigious classical uh, teacher who would call it a fiddle just because uh, it was okay. a slang. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Was it a culmination of things or was there one specific development that you can point to that, you know, now you said here you are in Nashville and you're tugging on the pant leg and you're going, oh, gosh, I guess. It. So, you know, was that it? Was that the the light bulb went on? Mm. Like what happened to make you say like, all right, if I'm going to stay here in Nashville and I'm going to pursue life as a violin, a fiddle player, like I guess I 
Ah, uh, yes. This was keeps it just going. that simple? Tugging on the pant leg and then... No, uh, the, it was not that simple. I mean, at that moment, everyone kind of wanted to, you know, send me out on a rail because I didn't know who Johnny Cash was. Like everybody yeah. in the band, it was like that record scratch, like <laughs> crickets, you know. And uh, I thought, well, crap, they all hate me. I don't know what to do. But I do see a big empty tip jar on the floor of the stage. Uh, and I don't know what, how I had the wherewithal to do this, but I think I just thought, well, these are kind of like old, ugly looking guys. It doesn't look like they're going to make a lot of tips. So I grabbed the, the tip jar and I started walking around the bar with it, passing it to people and kind of being flirty and uh, batting my eyelashes and brought it back full. And I set it on the stage and I walked back on the stage and they looked at me and it became, okay, we'll teach you country music and you keep passing that tip jar, darling. Because I didn't know at the time and I learned later on after seven years years being down there that it's four hour shifts twenty dollars each house pay and the rest is tips can you imagine playing a four hour shift for twenty dollars <laughs> it's insane and people do those four hour shifts all day long down there so it yeah. is tips 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 so that's how i got busy so and and i want to just pause the, this part that we're at because and and don't worry folks i will ask her about getting the gig with taylor swift <laughs> But Caitlin, at what point along everything that we're talking about here and everything that we're still going to hear, at what point did you decide somewhere that you wanted to do your own original music mm. projects? Because when the audience looks on iTunes, for example, there is a growing catalog on there of yours. Was that way further down the road or was that already going on with where we are in the story? Well, I've been writing and recording since I was a teenager uh, really okay um i learned how to record my own songs and i just didn't have the internet to put them out on back then you know so i would write them and record them and record them and write them and i have i don't even know how many you know i'm definitely in the hundreds by now at least wow. <laughs> i don't wow. know maybe the thousands i don't know i can't count but <laughs> but back then i didn't and when you're working for some of the biggest songwriters in the industry it's uh, can sometimes be a touchy subject to be putting your own songs out mm. at the same time sometimes Sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know. So there you were in Nashville. You had this agreement. Okay, I'll pass the thing around and y'all will help me. And so take us from there all the way up. I don't need to know every single stop along the way, but, but how does somebody, in other words, go from that to, all right, wait a minute, what am I missing here that you end up being Taylor Swift's and this time I'll say fiddle player. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me kind of try and fast forward a little bit up to that. Um, I, I got really, really busy down on Broadway. And once you get in there, it's kind of hard to get out. Uh, it's about seven years of getting picked up for smaller tours and then ending up back down on Broadway playing, opening up at Starbucks at five in the morning in the wintertime when tourism mm. was slow down there. Um, and eventually I started getting more long-term tour gigs. Um, okay, I'm sorry, but back me up. Um before we get into Taylor's stuff, you're asking about the songwriting and c continuing up with songwriting. On that I day. mean, if you want to, but, but I'm just curious that, you know, cause we left off with you passing the tip bucket around and these mm -hmm. guys saying, okay, we'll help get you indoctrinated in the country music world. Yeah. So did it just kind of take a nice ascent from there that you're starting to get picked up on tours? Cause yes. eventually your name had to get around town somehow. And I yes. don't know that that happens just yeah. from playing down on Broadway. No, um, th that's good. And yes, that you're, you are correct. They started calling me the barefoot princess down there because I would take my shoes off and play barefoot for hours and hours and hours. Uh, but eventually, um, a really great family, Allison Carmona and the Wildwood band, uh, picked me up. They saw me playing down on Broadway. Cause that's where a lot of people used to go. 
to f- discover people, I guess you could say, and they still do, but, uh, they said, well, Hey, you're, you're a great fiddle player. Do you want to do a USO tour with us? And her dad, Phil Carmona was a special forces green beret, but he was also the drummer and his daughter was the lead singer. Ah. So that was my first tour of getting picked up there. Wow. And I always wrote and record my own, recorded my own things along the way. I've kept a journal since I was 11 years old and I still have every single one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that was sort of the springboard to touring with other people. One thing leads to another yeah. and all of them talk and they all know each other. It's yeah. kind of like the film industry, you know, you start seeing two people, two actors that were hanging out at a party and then all of a sudden they're doing a movie together later. You know, yep. everybody, yep. everybody's connected. It's a big, small town. They yes. always say. Yeah. 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 Okay, folks, this is all great stuff with Caitlin and Finally, finally, don't worry, we are finally going to get to the Taylor Swift conversation as I promised and certainly something that everyone's been waiting for. But I just have to say first, I just think it's so impressive that for a critic who is used to writing about something like, say, the theater, for example, would actually write about someone's podcast as a longtime podcaster and as someone who has been around the media for many, many years I'm really impressed when I see something like that happen. You might recall way back on episode 372, I had Peter Link on as my guest. And if you enjoyed that conversation, then season three of his Scattershot Symphony will pique your interest. It's called Rosemary and Time, and it's a 16-episode podcast musical. Think of it like a modern-day Christmas nativity story, fittingly enough, as we're, gosh, close to that season already. God takes a look at today's world and really does not like what he sees, so he decides to send his old trusty angel Gabriel on a mission. The miracle tale takes place in the backcountry of Skeety, Oklahoma, population 139, about a backcountry girl, soon to be a woman, named Time Quinn. You get it? Rosemary and Time? So Time Quinn, it's T-H-Y-M-E. And she is soon to be the wife of the town's only preacher slash carpenter, the Reverend Josiah Washburn. One New York theater critic wrote, quote, The incredible Peter Link, along with Reagan Courtney, and his merry band of very talented singers slash performers have come up with a revolutionary retelling of the Christmas story via musical podcast. And if episode one is any indication, you are in for a treat. You're going to love it. End quote. Scattershot Symphony is available at watchfiremusic.com or your favorite podcasting app, with the exception of Spotify, however. So, all right, uh, you know, thank you for indulging me with all that, and, and I, I might actually come back around to it, but... For now, here's something that pretty much everyone in the audience is on the edge of their seat yelling (laughs) at their listening device for me to ask. And also, there's also people who listen to the show who are trying to learn from my guests every week, and they are aspiring performers, and they're going, for instance, I had Chad Jeffers, the guitar player for Carrie Underwood, on this show and asked him the same question because everybody wants to know, gosh, and I think there's this kind of... In a way, if you see the spirit with which I'm asking this and where I'm going, unfortunately, there's people that think, if I could just get on The Voice, if I could get on American Idol, my career will take off. And I think people think it's so easy. Like, if I could just get to Mm -hmm. be Taylor Swift's fiddle player, if I could be Carrie Underwood's guitar player, I'm all set. And it's like, well, number one, you're wrong, especially about the reality TV stuff. But number two... Totally easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's funny. I, I was a musical contestant on a reality show years ago, but that's, that's another story. Um, 
Well, first, you want me to do you want me to share about how our meeting came about? She sure, and I. Okay. Sure. Well, I had just gotten off the road with Ringo star and that was when i was living in la but i was pretty miserable living in la it just wasn't the right place for me so i moved back to nashville and i just started picking up whatever gigs i could because nashville is not la they're two different worlds you kind of have to start digging in and start from the bottom if you leave nashville you know and (laughs) so i came back and that's what i was doing and i was playing for some lovely people a couple of um american idol runner-ups bucky covington he was fantastic Um, And we were sound checking uh, at an event where we were opening for this little blonde girl named Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift was opening for Dirks Bentley. So she was she had just turned 18, I think, um, at that time. So while we were sound checking at this big venue, I saw this little blonde girl in the audience watching the sound check. And I'm such a ham. I thought, well, there's somebody out there watching. We should do another song. And, you know, I I am. I'm a wacky, weird ham who does voiceovers and everything else. It's just going to be who I am in life. It's too late to change. Uh, so she was sitting there in the audience, and I thought, let's do a Better Than Ezra song. I'm a fan of every style of all styles, and I love Better Than Ezra. So uh, we did good, the song Good, and I was singing, and... And she seemed to really like it. And uh, I didn't know what a musical encyclopedia she ended up being either. But Mm. that's, again, another story for later. Uh, But after the soundtrack, I walked down the stage uh, off the side steps. And she just kind of cut me off at the pass and got up and put her hand out and said, You are awesome. Um, I'm Taylor. And I said, Well, thanks. Nice to meet you. So disarming. So just sweet and charming and kind and met her mom Andrea and we just immediately hit it off in conversation and little did I know that later that night they also watched the show Uh. uh, of the band I was in and I also didn't know that they were looking to hire a fiddle player background vocalist at Mm. all Um, I just was having fun and doing my thing and truly I don't know if if I knew I was auditioning It wouldn't have gone the same. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. My nerves, my tunnel vision, my freak out. It wouldn't have been my best performance. Uh, I wouldn't have been as present or in the moment. I was just having fun. I didn't know she was out there watching. Plus, I didn't really even know who she was. Um, But they approached me. Her manager approached me after the show and just said, hey, uh, what's your number? And we'll call you. And, And Bruce, when I tell you, I have never known who is going to make it and who's not. And I've been wrong 90% of the time and it's very humbling but when they called to offer me the gig I almost didn't take it because I thought well I don't know if this little girl's gonna do anything wow Wow. (laughs) and it was this has been her career has been one of my biggest lessons which is it's not about the rhinestones or even the vocal acrobatics it's about the songs Mm. and she is a songwriter first and foremost and her performance skills and her voice eventually caught up to how prolific her songwriting really was see i like that you said that because every once in a while i'll have a guest on the show and i'll say so and so you are a singer, songwriter, guitar player, and sometimes they play piano too. And I'll say, if I had to ask you to rank those, do you consider yourself a singer first? Do you consider yourself a songwriter, guitar, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that that's not your opinion. You're, if I asked Taylor herself, she would say, oh, I'm, I'm a songwriter, songwriter first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the world was giving her so much grief about, no, she can't sing. She can't sing. She can't sing. It didn't matter. Those little girls who were her first original Swifty 
fans loved those songs. They knew every mm. single word to those songs that, so she wasn't the greatest vocalist in the world when she started. They did not care. Neither are they. And they're sitting there in the audience. Well, all standing, standing audience only every single time <laughs> singing every single word of her songs. But you know, I love the part of that story where you talked about being present and being yourself because I was already going to jump in and say that you probably would have acted a lot differently and maybe you would have been stiff and maybe you would have been not yourself if someone told you, oh, by the way, this is also an audition. And that's why it just really, really underscores, especially those of you in the audience who are aspiring performers, it just so underscores the importance of, and I said this on a recent episode, you have to do it as though it's your first show, your last show, and your only show. Every time out, whether it's 10 people, whether it's 10,000 people, and there you were saying, I was just being me, and it turns <laughs> out that that's what they were looking for. Yeah, that's exactly it. I had no control. Um, as I get older, I realize how little I have control over in life. Back then, I thought I had control over everything, <laughs> which was just not true at all, and I definitely didn't have control over this. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I'm joined today on location in the Florida Panhandle at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival by musician and vocalist Caitlin Evanson. Visit her official website at CaitlinEvanson.me. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will see down at the bottom the logos for Instagram and YouTube. She is also on Facebook as at Caitlin Evanson Music. Plus, you can find her on Twitter via at Caitlin Bird. Here's a little shortcut, by the way. At the bottom of her website, you'll not only see logos to find her original music on SoundCloud and Spotify, two platforms that the show is available on, by the way, but when you go to her Spotify, and please make sure you follow her on there, at the bottom of her page on that platform, you can read her bio, and alongside it are links to her Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay with us because there's going to be two more items that I'm holding back right now that you'll want to hear about how to find online from Caitlin as well. In the meantime, I cannot continue to thank the people at Deconi Audio enough. And if you're a gamer, if you're a musician, a podcaster, an audio engineer, do you see the pattern here? Someone who wears headphones. You will be thanking them too when you get replacement ear pads for the ones you have that are showing wear and tear and or are just way too uncomfortable. They even can help you have some trendy, some fashionable, some hip-looking headphones with the various styles, colors, the designs that they offer. It's very easy to remove the ear pads from your current headphones and replace them with what you will get from Deconi. I have an unboxing video on my YouTube channel that you'll want to watch. I got that from them after I met them at the NAM show in Anaheim when I was out there in June. Then you can just use the link in that video's description or just go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo. It's in the right-hand column on desktop, or if you're on mobile, scroll down past the social media logos to find it. Tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo to be taken to their website where you'll see the exact pads that I got from them and then navigate to the replacement ear pads from them specific to the brand and model headphones that you wear. Caitlin, at the beginning of this episode, I played a song of yours called The Road, and just before the break, you were telling us about how you got the gig with Taylor Swift. But out of the countless, countless stories that I'm sure you have from being out with her for as long as you have, <laughs> is there one you can pull out to share with us before we move on? Yes, that is so difficult. Because, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, seven years of 
the highest highs of my life. I think this will actually also address something that you talked about earlier. I think one of the greatest highs was when when Taylor won Entertainer of the Year uh, on the ACM Awards. Was It was a huge moment for her. And we, as a band, we, we really... You know, I'd like to think that we all really built something special together in the beginning. Those first few years were just shocking. It was, it was, what? We what? You got a grand, <laughs> granny? What? Like everything was, you woke up to a new record being broken or something. It was huge. But at the top of that climb was her winning the Entertainer of the Year Award for the, the ACMs. Um, so as a band, we were all waiting because we were all so invested and we had done so much together and she told us if I win, she, she brought us all down to the, the locker room or, you know, dressing rooms under the performance area of the stage in Vegas and said, if I win, I want to call all of you up by name to the stage. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, we all <laughs> walked over to side stage and, you know, Andrea, her mom walked us over there and she was so good at um, security guards saying, you can't stand over here. I'm Taylor's mom and this is her band. So back off. And they, they just always would. It was awesome. <laughs> she stood up for us on so many occasions. But anyway, she walked us over side stage and um and they announced her name and we all just jumped up and down like, <laughs> and she said, I'd like to bring up my band. And she called us each mm. up by name and we all stood up there and did this massive, you know, we won the football game group hug to yeah. almost knocked her over wow. and that we have that picture, that picture's online all over the place and uh, just it, entertainer of the year, ACM awards, Taylor Swift, check it out. But I think that was one of my highest high moments of being recognized by her. And I remember my sister calling me and saying, congratulations, you're never going to have to, uh, what did she say? Like find a gig or work again or something like that. And, and I, I, that is a common misconception is, well, just because, you know, that happened doesn't mean that you don't yeah. need to continue working or have your yeah. craft, you know? Yeah, I'm not set for life, despite <laughs> yeah. what, it, what you might think and what it might look like. Yeah. There's something that you said in there that I think is really important to go back to because, again, Chad Jeffers, when he was on the show, he yeah. talked about playing for Carrie. And his quote was, as a professional musician, you are in the service business. You are there to help the artist. Whatever they need, you're there to help facilitate that, end quote. And I thought of that when you said, you know, at the beginning, it just felt like we are in service to this young girl who's trying to build a career and she's going to lean on us as much as, yeah, she's trying to build a brand. She's trying to get her name out there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on us to, to band together as a team around her and make this happen collectively. She's not going to get out there and do it on her own. Yes. She's, um, well, here's the thing is she would walk her little self out on a stool, sometimes all by herself with her, her and her guitar and do it. But she 
felt supported and loved and confident and alive when she had her band backing her up too. Exactly. Um, and so for her to appreciate the community around her of people who've helped raise her like this little village, <laughs> you know, <laughs> takes village. And I think her and her mom and her family knew she needed someone to grow up with out there too. Mm. So we all kind of grew up together for a little <laughs> season there. Well, I'm actually going to sneak in one more bonus question, if you will. This past April, I was in Las Vegas and I interviewed Lisa McClowry for what would be episode 430 of the show. She not only performs on the strip six nights a week in the role of music icon Cher, but she has her own separate Cher concept slash tribute show that she takes on the road. And she said that she does eight costume changes in that one. And I think I read, Caitlin, that you do four costume changes yourself over the course of one two-hour Taylor Swift concert. Is is that correct? And, yes. And more so, is it manageable? You know, I, I guess I, I never counted the amount of quick changes in wardrobe that we did during the shows, uh, but it probably was. It just ultimately, it came from little girls loving to play dress up. And I'm telling you, that never goes away because <laughs> she loved it. I loved it. Liz Hewitt, her background vocalist, loved it. Um, and so we would all three of us, we were almost always all three in the dressing room, chattering and laughing and whatever, um, through all those tours. But Hey, I wonder, can I borrow this shirt or this looks really cute. What if we made a, uh, an outfit like this for the stage? So, and also she was very set on, she was always visual with audio. So for the song mean, she had this vision of this old school playing the washboard, playing the spoons, sitting on bales of hay, uh, dresses of that era. Um, so we had a quick change for the song mean, um, and then we were, we were quickly out of it. We ran back and mm. we put our black shiny things on for, I knew you were trouble, which was more intense and more poppy. Mm. Um, so she had a vision and a look for each song. Um, so the fact that we could get away with only four changes in an entire show was still pretty miraculous. But I like that. It sounds like it was very collaborative. It wasn't one person who said, we're going to do costume changes. This is when, this is what it's going to be. It sounds like the three of you, like you said, we're just a bunch of girls sitting around going, you know what, <laughs> wouldn't this be cute to wear this for this song? And, you know, I love that top and, and everybody's voice, everyone's opinion was valued and welcomed. In the, in the very beginning, I think, like you said, we were in service with helping her find her own concepts. But ultimately, she did take that over. And she has a lovely wardrobe, um, gentleman, Joseph Cassell. And she now really sits in official wardrobe discussions on tours. Mm. I'm pretty sure she does still now and says, what would it look like for this, 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 this? And then we do just go, okay, we're in suit. We're in service for this. Yeah, we'll wear this. We'll wear this. But she d did always care if we liked it and yeah. felt good in it. It's interesting. I yeah. like that. Uh, I should have asked you this earlier when I went off track a little bit with my question about deciding to do your own original music, because on the topic of songwriting, there's an experience that you offer called Your Story to Song that the average Joe or Joan can book with you. Tell the audience what I'm referring to. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And thank you for branding has, we'll start with this. Yeah. Branding has been difficult for this. And we kind of don't use your story to song anymore. We just use songwriting experience mm -hmm. because I've had 500 people at least come in and do this experience that I offer. Wow. And it's not always the right title 
for, um, all that to say, here's here's what I offer, and you can book this on CaitlinEvanson.me or on the Airbnb platform for things to do in Nashville. It's write and take home a personalized song from Nashville. I've had two-year-olds, I've had five-year-olds that want to sing about mermaids. I've had 90-year-old man want to write a song to his granddaughter who doesn't speak to him anymore, and maybe someday she'll hear the song and know that he's mm. sorry. Um, I've had people who are feeling trapped and stuck in the closet and cannot come out and aren't accepted by their family want to write a song about it and come back to me two years later free and wanting to write a song about their new significant other seeing the growth and change and healing i've had cancer patients i've had um anniversary songs i've had memorial songs people Mm. want to play at a lost loved one's funeral so it became so much more vast that we finally just started calling it right and take home personalized (laughs) song from nashville which i know is a lot um but you could call it story to song but when you say write and take home a personalized story or song Song. from nashville to me that implies you have to be there to do it in person or can they do it remotely over skype or zoom or something like that the beauty of my experience i offer is that you can also do it online speaking of awesome gear i've got my husband's the brainiac of the gear uh but i have a full setup with all of my audio connected so i've been able to have songwriting session clients in australia bangkok czech republic um shanghai Hmm. uh paris it has been so incredible like even the language barrier we've been able to work through wow um and i there's been times i've had the pleasure of writing with someone and seeing the sun come up at their house and the sun go down wow. at my house <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for you to say i have the focus right scarlet interface that's what i use for because oh. <laughs> you're pointing at the vocaster and you're like speaking of gear um but so so obviously people can do it with you in person though if they are in nashville yes yes okay. 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 Yeah, the tour, tourists love to come in to Nashville and write with a real live Nashville songwriter in their real live yeah. home studio and share something about their life. And in a two hour session, we write and record a song with strings and fiddle and everything. Mm. Lead vocals. I do it all. So speaking of opportunities that you offer to the general public, what is the Red Weddings? Uh, <laughs> again, you kind of caught us in some old branding, but my husband and I, he, well, he's from Brazil. He's an incredible guitarist and singer songwriter, uh, and just can do bossa nova like you wouldn't believe too. <laughs> just beautiful. <laughs> but one of the ways that we really got together and fell in love was playing music together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a little stint where I ran away from the music industry for a while. And, uh, a few years I was going to stay for La Jolla in two weeks and ended up staying for three years, <laughs> met him there and And we formed a duo called the Red Weddings. And um, since then, we haven't found a new name for ourselves, but I think it's time. We play corporate events. We play weddings. We, we, which I love. I call these the utopia gigs. Maybe that needs to be our next duo name. But because if you think about it, like I get to play music with my husband. I get to road trip with my husband. I get to stay somewhere fun with my husband for free and we get paid for it. It's kind of the utopian gig. So the red, the red weddings is a misnomer because you're a duo act that plays corporate gigs. Anything, you play. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Again, that kind of, uh, became more vast. Gotcha. First. Gotcha. We are on, depending on if you count Wednesday night or not, what I will call the third full day of the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. You are someone who has performed in sold out stadiums and arenas around the world. Talk about being here playing in this type of environment instead, since it's such a huge contrast to those major stages. 
Yes and no, because actually I was thinking I'm probably going to be saying this at my next set at 4 p.m. tonight uh, with the fabulous Lance Carpenter, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But Wembley Stadium was amazing. Royal Albert Hall with Ringo was amazing. All these Budokan, you know, in Japan, I they were all amazing. But I'm noticing that the nerves are the same at Wembley as they are. At the Holiday Inn Banquet Room at 4 p.m. tonight. Wow. It's, it, I, yeah. And I've never been able to understand why. Wow. And it, I kind of just thought, well, do you want to do this or don't you? I am shocked. <laughs> I am <laughs> shocked. Well, each one has its own factors, but I, I realize too how much of it really starts and stops in our own mind, our own conscience, mm. uh, our own psyche, because I sit up there and I just find things to get nervous about. It's so silly. <laughs> like these people just come to see us having a good time and writing great songs, but I will find something. If there's something there to get nervous about, I'll find it. Oh my gosh. That server just spilled a drink. What if that same server is near the gear and spills it near my <laughs> amp and now it's going to short out? Should I stand somewhere different? <laughs> he understands. Bruce gets it. So, Sadly, sadly. (laughs) Uh, Back in the intro, I read off just some of your many, many television credits. I wonder if you can remember sort of the first major one you did, something like, I don't know, the the Grammys, or maybe it was Late Show with David Letterman or Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and how nervous you you might have been, or maybe you're going to surprise me and say you weren't. But then also, maybe paint us a picture of how different it is going from playing on concert stages to a live TV performance. Mm. Very different. If it's an award show, I mean, I could spend hours talking about this and I can't, but if it's an award show like the Grammys where you are bringing megastars fast on and fast off the stage between commercials, between presentations, between everything, and it's a rotating stage, Mm -hmm. that's usually what the award shows are like of any kind. There's audio tracks that sometimes you have to mime to because you don't have time to set up the guitar amp and the mic and then this and then that. So you have to rehearse miming certain Mm. things and singing live vocals sometimes or not other times. If it's me, I will vouch for Taylor though, that her vocals were always live Mm -hmm. no matter what. She did not lip sync on anything. Hand on the Bible. <laughs> People always <laughs> want to know that. So I was there. I know. But, the, but that's dictated by the artist. The David Letterman show, the Jay Leno show, the Grammys, yes. the whoever. They can't tell the artist, hey, look, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to lip sync this one. We, we need to get you on and off. Even if they did, she said no. Mm-hmm. There were many times she had to stand her ground on that. So it, from a live show, everything is audio, you know, like when we're, we're playing yeah. in an arena at Staples Center. Oh, yeah, that's all yeah, our live course. performance. Nothing is pre-recorded. So that would be the difference between TV and live for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that with TV, there could be a time when someone is just feeling it. And maybe Caitlin's fiddle solo is going to go a little longer because she's just feeling it. And on TV, they're going to go, look. Three and a half minutes. Keep it tight. There's no room for improv. Am I right? Doesn't matter if you're feeling it. Stop feeling it. Yeah. It's Leno. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have to say this. I'm sorry. That Ringo uh, once walked out of Regis and Kelly. 
because they told him to shorten the song Liverpool that he was Whoa. doing. And they said, well, we've been doing Regis and Kelly like this for 20 years. We're not about to change it for anybody else, including you, Ringo Starr. And he said, I'm out. And he left and he got in the back of his limo. And before he got in the back, he said to us as a band, as we were filing out, he said, well, it's not like we're deaf Ted in the bleep donuts. <laughs> Bleepity bleep donuts. I'll put it that way for, for your interview. Was that a live show? He walked that out on the live Regis show? That was Regis and Kelly's TV TV yeah. morning show. Yeah. yeah so that wow. was a few years ago. Wow. So, so it wasn't a pre-taped segment that they were going to say no he got to do all live, live wow. everything wow yeah mm. i'm about to wrap up and play the closing song but is there anything major that you're going to be disappointed that i didn't give you an opportunity to talk about because i know you're just filled with information <laughs> with stories with memories with lessons uh, you know what? I will put one thing out there. If, if you guys want any entertainment uh, after this, if you look on my website, CaitlinEvanson.me, and you go to the videos and tour moments, you will see a video of me all black leather clad in my red shiny with my red shiny violin. Um, I do did this performance on the Red Tour every single night, and one night uh, at the Staples Center in L.A., the power went out um, on time code. I, I'm sure you know what that is, and I had to improvise for four minutes straight while they got all the computers up and running again um wow. so just watch that performance the one that is on the website went off successfully but watch it and think oh this is what would happen if she was stuck standing there <laughs> uh, a sitting duck in, in in silence trying to figure out what to do for a whole minute <laughs> but you know i also want to give you credit because you talked to earlier about when you have the, the the ear for it for pitch you were talking about when you were a kid and it's not unlike as a guitar player to look over and look and see what someone else is playing and kind of figure out what solo you can do in there. But for you, I saw you doing this last night, an audience I had the pleasure of going to see Caitlin on a show last night where you were, now granted, some of those folks might be people that you play with from time to time, but you were soloing on more songs than not. And so that's where as someone who, and I'm not going to give myself that much credit, but as someone who plays guitar, I know what's happening there. And I'm giving you, I'm doing a bad job of giving you credit because I was watching you solo on all these songs and I'm thinking to myself, she can't know all of these. And so that's the importance there, but it's also, you've been playing for so many years. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, full marks. I mean, it, it was, it was great to see you do that in the moment. Thank you. I didn't know a lot of those songs, but their, their openness and trust in me, I uh, appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you play guitar also, you know, and so you're, you're looking to see, you know, what chords are playing and, and your, your fiddle experience is just kind of a, a muscle memory at that point. And so I'm sure that that's where, when this incident, now I'm going to bring it full circle where you're encouraging people to go look for that video. That's where you're able to go, Oh gosh, I don't know how long it's going to take <laughs> them to get everything back up, but I got this. Just gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Truly improv improvisation, excuse me, is w my favorite thing because in the back of my mind, I think, well, there's no such thing as screwing up because you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And the audience doesn't know, oh, is this something that she had in her back pocket? It, it, you know, and they may not even be, I might be giving, sorry folks, I might be giving the audience <laughs> too much credit that they're even going there, no, you know, and, and, and thinking about that. And there you are just making it look like, yeah, I've done this plenty of times. I have, and it's it's a delight. It's so fun. I'd rather always go fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> well, we're going to close today with another one of Caitlin's original songs, one called The River Just Flows. 
Caitlin, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Okay. Um, yes, it is another one of those songs where I was uh, wearing another one of my hats <laughs> to write this song, which was <laughs> The Outdoorsy Caitlin. Uh, and Jerry Vandiver and I, uh, the, the great songwriter Jerry Vandiver, who's also in Pensacola Song Writing Festival. And the reason I'm here, because he brought me, we go kayaking and canoeing quite a bit in Nashville um, and the Harpeth Narrows of the Harpeth River. And we were turning a corner and getting into that Zen moment. And about 10 minutes in to being on the water, your mind stops spinning and spinning and gets present. And you see these waters, these peaceful waters. And and you go, ah, this is why I came out here. Peace. And we turned the corner and we grabbed a bite uh, of lunch on this bank. And we were both in that Zen moment. And... I said, man, look at that river, man. It just knows what to do. <laughs> Nature just knows what it's supposed to do. And there's no if, ands, or buts, or second thoughts. And I said, man, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that too? And Jerry looked at me and said, that's a song. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking of before that you said, the older I get, the more I realize how little bit of control I really have over things. And I kind of hear that in what you're describing, that... Look, why do I overthink things? Why do I complicate my life so much? Look at the freaking river. It just the river flows. Just flows. It, just, it just flows. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't overthink itself. It doesn't it doesn't anticipate the server who's gonna spill the drink, which in this case is that big rock that's further downstream. It just flows. So true. It's bigger than us and we just have to trust it'll take us where we're meant to go. That's Love one it. of the quotes. Love it. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you for having me, Bruce. Thank you. Absolutely. What a joy. What a joy. This was so much fun. With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks again to musician and vocalist Caitlin Evanson. Do visit her official website at caitlinevanson.me. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will see very prominently the link for the experience you can book with her writing and taking home a personalized song from Nashville. At the bottom of her website are links for Caitlin on YouTube and Instagram. Remember, too, about the shortcut I gave you earlier, which is to utilize the Spotify logo at the bottom of CaitlinEvanson.me to not only go follow her on there, but to then get at the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links alongside the bio at the bottom of her Spotify artist profile page. Although you can also find her music on SoundCloud, please support Caitlin by purchasing downloads of her music from the likes of iTunes. Remember, too, about theredweddings.com, which you heard her talk about. I am grateful to everyone who listens to this show each week. I've been saying this the last few weeks, but want to make sure you've taken a minute out to do it, meaning hopefully you have already hit the follow button on whatever podcast app you listen to now hear this entertainment through. There might actually still be a couple platforms out there still with subscribe instead of follow. Either way, it is free to subscribe to follow. But if you're not sure if you've done so, take a minute to double check that you are following that you're subscribed so that you don't miss any episodes and automatically get the newest episode each week. That's going to do it for episode 456. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Caitlin Evanson. This is the one she just talked about. It's called The River Just Flows. As I sit on this rocky shore Watching my river go by Can't help but think this river has more 
so much more wisdom than I. It always knows what it's supposed to do. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do that too? The river just flows. The river just goes around every bend and over again. Through all the highs and lows, the river just flows. The river just knows. Just. 